Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day. Today, we're going to be talking to... Tyler Henry. I'm so excited. We're very excited. Our quote of the day comes from Tyler. Fear keeps our energy and tension and focus in this realm. Time and again, souls come through and acknowledge that letting go of their fear was the key to smooth to transitioning smoothly. Damn. I know, right? I like that. I, I'm looking at my notes from my reading with him back ah. in the day, and he taught me, he was saying something about letting go of fear. Wow. I obviously didn't listen to him. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. Oh my God, it's hard. Heel Squad, we are in for a treat. We're going to be chatting with Hollywood medium Tyler Henry about his new Netflix reality series and of course his new book, Here and Hereafter, um, How Wisdom from the Departed Can Transform Your Life Now. I think uh, having gone through this with my mom, I know that having a medium talk to me and connect me with my mom was pivotal in me kind of getting over Mm. that first hump. I think there were a lot of humps, yeah. but that was like that major hump of like just walking around in utter disbelief, shock, and just devastation. And so it is really, really helpful. So, um, I have my notes from Tyler Henry and actually I forgot I wrote 2016. So Kevin took notes when Tyler was in my living room for his e-show, Hollywood Medium. And he was so freaking right. It's scary. So um, one of the things Kevin wrote at the top, (laughs) of course, of all people, he knows Maria. So I guess the thing with Tyler at the time is he didn't know any celebrities, like even really, really, really Really? big celebrities. Oh, I kind of love that about him. But he knew me. So Kevin was like really like blown away. (laughs) Um. So, uh, let's see. Also, I'm just shocked that you so easily found those notes. That's amazing. You always say you're not well, organized, my girl. No, I'm not, but Kevin had them. So he had <laughs> given them to me recently. <laughs> uh, let's see. Women in passing. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to give you my cousin who, so the only other, like, I mean, listen, I lost my grandparents. That was brutal like anything, but my cousin, when I was 15, was killed in a car crash. He was 18 at the time, and it just, ooh, it still hurts. Anywho, Mm -hmm. isn't that crazy? 15, I'm 43. I can't even do the friggin' math that's been so long. Long Anyhow, he was all around me, I guess. Wow. And... um, When you guys were really close. Really, really close. And I guess he was saying, he goes, I keep, he keeps unclicking something, and the report on his his like death report was that he oh. died from blow from the seatbelt to oh. his chest. Oh. But they were going over 100 miles an hour. They flipped, hit two trees. It was like crazy on the highway. Um, and, you know, it was one of those extreme cases where a seatbelt could be detrimental. Right. 
but he, you know, he was saying that he wishes he 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 debates if he should have worn it or not. Isn't that Ooh. crazy? And that he wishes he was still with us. Anyhow, that was uh, intense. But he did say um, that I was transitioning, and he said, "I was like, okay, what do you see for my career?" I was at E News at the time. I had my Sirius XM show, and he goes, "Radio, radio, radio." And the the depressing look just came over my face. I go, "What?" Uh-huh. <laughs> he's like, "I go, you mean and TV, right?" Like, and he's like, "No, radio, radio, radio." Wow. So he knew I was transitioning into all of this, this before world. I knew and before I was obviously ready for all of that. And that was pretty crazy. He said, more emphasis on career than kids as of now, three to five years. We're into six years now since You'll this have to reading. You'll about that. But um, we're getting closer. <laughs> yeah. Actually, a crazy moment yesterday. They texted me. They're like... You're, you know, your surrogate's cleared for medical, you know, medically cleared. And I'm like, yay. And then I get an email, a text like a few minutes later. Uh, sorry, I just got an email from the clinic. They need a few more blood tests before we medically clear her. I go. (laughs) Of course. Of course. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, then there was, um, wedding talk and he said something about maybe a wedding in Greece, which is what we ended up doing. Um, and he said about E at the time. Oh, he said there's going to be a TV panel show, a talk show format, um, which is funny because that's basically what we're mm-hmm. doing. E, even when life is at its best, it's not perfect. You've been on right track, but fear of other shoe to drop. Let go of fearful moments. Like I said, didn't really do that well. Uh, <laughs> cope with success. Always will grow. No plateau. Different demo will see you. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to conve- convey feelings beyond teleprompter. Wow. Hello. 10 years to build. And I was like, oh, come on, Tyler. 10 years? I can't do so 10 So we're years. in six. Okay. We're in six. Okay. okay. Um, and then... Uh, Let's see. Was there anything else? Add on to the house, knocking down walls for renovation. Wow. Yeah. There's a bunch of things anyhow. So he And he is, sat here in the living room? Not here. This is the studio. But no, but like here <laughs> meeting the yeah, house. In the living room, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's he's great. He's a really, really like gentle, sweet soul. Yes. And he has so many gifts. And uh, obviously he he wants to share those with the world. Um, There's so much we're going to talk to him about today, and I'm really curious. So if you are not familiar with Tyler, um, he, as the Hollywood medium, continues to be sought after uh, as a clairvoyant medium, both in the U.S. and around the world. Apparently his waiting list is at 300,000 people at the moment. My jaw dropped. Yes. (laughs) Uh, His first TV show... The e-mega-hit Hollywood medium with Tyler Henry showcased his unique gift of communicating with the other side and his ability to bring comfort, closure, and hope to his clients and viewers. Audiences fell in love with Tyler, his gifts, and his incredibly calm and kind presence, as I mentioned. He now has this new reality series on Netflix called Life After Death that's out March 11th in just a few days. And a new book, Here and Hereafter, How Wisdom from the Departed Can Transform Your Life. Now that is out March 29th. I'm sure you can pre-order that. So without further ado, let's say hello to Tyler. Hi. Hello, Maria. It's so good to see you again. It's been a hot minute. It has been. How are you, friend? I'm doing so great. Are you and Kevin doing well? We're doing well. We are. We're really well. I can't believe it's been six years since we have seen each other. Yes, I remember. I remember all what we talked about. We had a good long reading. You do? You remember? Oh, yes. I read over 200 celebrities over the four seasons in Hollywood Medium. And our time together was one of my favorite. I remember we sat for hours. And it was so cool because I remember it was before a lot had happened. We we, we think we covered fertility and the future of plans and all that. So it was really interesting to connect. Is your mom doing okay? No, we lost my mom in May, actually. That's right. Thank My apologies. You. But you yes. know what's crazy is you said, and in what you said, carry, oh my God, I'm going to cry, carried me through mm-hmm. a really tough time. So you said someone on my mom's side was going to have a stroke, but they were going to fully recover. Right. So my mom, late August 2016, called me and she said, Hey, we had a little problem today. 
Um, I was trying to drink my water and it came out the side of my mouth. So we're going to go to the hospital real quick and Mm -hmm. go get a checkout. And I said, okay, I hung up and like my whole body was tight and I go, and I remembered Tyler Henry said, she's going to, somebody's going to have a, like a little stroke and they're going to fully recover. And I go, okay, we're good. So I left my house that morning. I went to this charity event for dogs across the street, basically. (laughs) It was like right down the street. And that's when I got a call that they found a brain tumor in my mom and I had to fly home, but I kept thinking, okay, well he saw something and he said she was going to fully recover and no one else had anything in my mom's side. So I just applied that, which gave me incredible hope Mm. at that time. Um, She was diagnosed eventually with stage four brain cancer, but I'll tell you this, Tyler, that comes with six to 12 months. My mom got almost five years And the only reason we even lost her on May 2nd was because she got COVID at Thanksgiving and the COVID made her so weak, I couldn't give her the chemo. So she didn't die of COVID either. She beat COVID with stage four brain cancer. The first COVID, not the new COVIDs that we can like just get the sniffles, (laughs) the hardcore COVID. That's how tough she was. And her doctors were like, if she didn't get it, she'd still be here now. Was she getting weaker? Yes. But, um, but that reading was so pivotal because I instantly was like, Oh, I know what this is. I got this. We're going to be good. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a wild, wild ride. My heart is with you. I obviously didn't know about your mom and if anything ever comes through, I'd be happy to share that with you. Oh, thank you. that That initial session at least provided a little, comfort during that precarious time. I can only imagine that was a long time. Yeah. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content. And a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community? Or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment. And we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menounos Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. Yeah. Well, and then I got one too. <laughs> That's right. Oh so, my goodness. Yeah. So a couple months later, I'm like, oh, I have a brain tumor as well. What a crazy coincidence. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God. Well, I feel you. I know I had a brain cyst when I was 18. So we're all kind of. No way. An interesting group. Yeah. I, I, it's scary. Brain stuff is, is no joke. What is a brain cyst? I've never heard of that. So a cyst is different than a tumor. As far as my understanding goes, mine was in the arachnoid region of my brain, which is over kind of by the brainstem. So uh, mine actually just caused hydrocephalus, which was water on the brain. So the cyst itself wasn't cancerous or malignant in any way, but it's just where it was located, obstructed uh, the flow of water in the brain, cerebral spinal fluids. So. Yeah that required surgery, but it's, are you feeling better from where you're, you were at? Yeah. Wait, so you had brain surgery too? I did 18. Yeah. I have a scar right under all this hair. Yeah. Oh my God. I have my scar behind my ear. Did they have to, they didn't have to shave your head. (laughs) I mean, Dr. Black, God bless him was so careful with me. I mean, it was like a cat scratch. He barely shaved any hair. He was so gentle because he knew how to be on TV. I said to him, I go, remember what I look like on TV and make sure I look like that when I'm done. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, I'm so glad you're able to at least keep your hair. Yeah. Wow. So we are our brain tumor buddies, our brain cyst and brain tumor buddies, brain surgery buddies. Brain surgery buddies. Wow. Um. Yeah, it's it's wild. And and I know that that's what this book really is about is how these readings can um, can connect us and help us through grief and through so much. And I know that um, I had uh, I had those similar experiences where, you know, before, obviously with you and then after. Um, I know that that can help provide a lot of comfort. I've had different mediums here on the show and 
you know, we're crying right alongside the person who's being read because we just know how much it means to have relief from guilt or relief from any kind of, you know, never getting to say goodbye. You see everything. Absolutely. How do you protect yourself when you're doing all of this? Because it's super heavy work. And I know initially, actually, and I want to make sure everybody knows this, you wanted to be a hospice nurse. So you were already destined to do heavy work, I think. I did, yes. So I graduated high school when I was 16. And the goal with that was to share my ability privately, to not be a medium in the public eye, and to just kind of go down the hospice route. But when I enrolled in school, I ended up actually reading the dean of the college and he ran into me one day and said that I should probably think about doing readings full time. And I was like, well, OK, if the dean of the college is telling <laughs> me to go to school, then I should probably explore another path. But, you know, it really is a very, in some ways, heavy job. But in a lot of ways, there is a lot of lightness. And I think by nature, when we think of death and grief, we think of those as heavy concepts. But my goal in my work is to normalize conversations around those things because they are inevitable. We're all going to deal with it. And I think in Western society, we're kind of cultured to be afraid of those conversations when I think they're essential to have, because I think if we are forewarned, we can be prepared. And I think just being able to kind of be open around that topic is essential because we're going to all ultimately deal with it. I know. And, and, and I think that, you know, we're, we're starting to kind of realize that we have to start having the conversations. Um, but yeah, it has always been, um, something that, you know, on this side of the world, we're like horrified, shocked, you know, traumatized where on the other side of the world, they know from the second you're born where we're going. We all know every day that passes, we know where we're headed, which also could help you live a more kind of fruitful life if you start to think about it in that way, right? Absolutely. And I think that's really the value of gratitude is that it really gives us that moment of presence where, you know, we may have a lot in our lives, but the moment we implement gratitude, we have more than we did before because we are seeing what we have for what it is and for the value that we have. And not necessarily just material things, but I think in life, it's very easy to lose sight of how much we have to be thankful for and how valuable life really is. And my readings are a constant reminder of that. You know, I do these readings and I see people that come through that, uh, you know, might have done things differently if they could do it over. Mm -hmm. And very often just the resounding message is the importance of saying it now while you have the chance, while we still have the chance. There's so much regret that we could prevent ourselves from having if we just say it now and communicate to the loved ones that are in our lives. Yeah, I did that with my mom. That's why I always say, you know, it's always hard to know who has it worse, somebody who's lost someone suddenly or someone who had to do the painful long, you know, end. But for me, you know, yes, it was painful. Yes, it was long. I, I'm so grateful that I had time to be able to make amends or apologize and, you know, have those moments um, before I lost her. And I'm I'm thankful that you were able to at least have some time together to kind of prepare and and have some degree of resolution. There's so many, so often people don't get that that chance. And I think even under the best of circumstances, people still tend to have some element of regret or wishing they could say more. I think you can never say too much, right? So I think um, even under the best of circumstances, it can be, it's difficult. Grief is natural. And I think when it comes to spirituality, it's important to still honor that grieving process, even if you know there's more to life than what we see, that's okay. It's important that we still honor that physical loss. um, And that's part of the grief process. Talk about your grief in life. Have you had to experience any deep grief? Sure. Well, one of the pivotal deaths in my life was the death of my grandmother when I was 10 years old. But another one that I don't talk about as much was actually a dear friend of mine who passed away Uh, when he was 18. And he had dealt with childhood brain cancer. Mm -hmm. And as a teen, he went into remission. And I knew as his friend that his cancer was going to come back and that he was going to die. And I knew because of your medium qualities, your, your, oh my God, you knew as a teenager. And I had a a deep love for my friend and, and he, you know, was my best friend. I'd see him every day. And I had to make a choice of either to separate myself from him in preparation for his inevitable death Mm. or to stay close to him. And at that time, at that age, I made the choice to kind of distance myself. And uh, I just knew I wasn't going to be able to cope with the inevitable. And then shortly before he died, he reached out to me 
And he said, Hey, I want to let you know, you know, I got re-diagnosed, but I want to see you. And I'd love for you to make the trip up. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it. And then he died before I ever got the chance to make the trip to see him one last time. So I think it's a testament to the importance of saying it now, doing it now. You know, I regret in hindsight, not leaning into that relationship just because I was afraid of what was inevitable. Wow. How old were you? You said I, he was 18. I would have been, I, I think we're the same age. So that kind of and have you been able to connect with him since? So he has came through. There was a, a, an interesting synchronicity. And I always say this is a way that spirits communicate with us is through meaningful coincidence. So I was actually at a pier uh, where my dear friend who passed used to live in a, in a town by the beach. And I was with my current partner and there were all these plaques over 200 of them. Uh, that lined the pier. And I knew that my friend had one dedicated to him. Well, my partner and I were walking down and out of nowhere, my partner just stopped and he turned around and he pointed to one of the plaques. And sure enough, it was my friend who had died. It was dedicated to him. And of all the plaques we could have possibly seen, it was that one plaque. And so for me, I felt like that was his presence alerting us to say, hey, you know, use your intuition, look to your right. And and it's acted as a reminder of, of his presence in my life. Wow. That, uh, that's intense. You know, I don't think we talk about this enough either because that decision is something a lot of us have to make in different ways too, right? So, um, there are many, many ways to, that people distance themselves for different reasons. I've had to do it. I did it with my first dog. So we had uh, a quadriplegic poodle. They said she was going to maybe make it six months. She had this autoimmune disease that attacked her joints. And Kevin, being the ferocious researcher and healer that he is, I think he got her another nine years. And it was different, like supplements and swimming her, even though she had no, her legs were decrepit. She had some motion in her shoulder. So he would walk around the pool eight laps with her with a harness to get her to swim. Anyhow... I could see the end coming. And I remember I knew that I wasn't going to be able to handle that pain. It was the first dog. Dogs were my dream. And so I distanced myself so that I wouldn't have to feel as much pain. And I know it's a different thing, obviously, from a human. But I know that if we both have done it in various ways, other people are doing it too. And I think it's a really important thing for people to hear because... You know, I think we're also supposed to go through the pain, unfortunately. Absolutely. And I always say, you know, readings are not a cure for grief. If anything, they validate that there's an energetic connection and a relationship that does continue. But that isn't a replacement for those natural feelings of wanting to call that loved one on the phone or, you know, hear that recipe or get that advice. Those are all things that, you know, we so badly wish we could have. And it's just not the same. Um, and even if you're a spiritual person, it's okay to mourn that, you know, and to grieve that, that physical loss. Yeah. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're going to love it. What, what do you think we need to do to be able to accept grief in, in these times? You know, I think on some level, suffering is just part of the human condition, um, you know, some more than others. But when it comes to the grief process, I think reframing it as a pursuit of closure or not as a pursuit of closure, but more as a pursuit of contentedness is important. And by that, I mean this, you know, closure, it's a big word and it's one that gets thrown around a lot. For my work, I feel that closure from the grief perspective is not necessarily a realistic goal. Closure implies a period to a sentence. Um, There's a finality to closure, an implication of that. And so I think if we can just aim to kind of grow with our grief and grow through our grief 
and not try to necessarily resolve it or put a period on it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a lot more of a reasonable way to frame that process and a lot less disappointing. I think that people are always or very often waiting for grief to end thinking, okay, when am I going to come out on the other side of this? Um, and then they get frustrated when they still feel that, that loss lingering. So I think as life goes on, we kind of grow around our grief, our ability to tolerate it increases. Uh, I don't necessarily know if it ever truly goes away. Yeah. I, I definitely know it doesn't go away. (laughs) I was telling them my cousin who you had said in my reading, I actually pulled up my notes from our reading. Uh, and you know, he, you had said he was all around me and I was telling, you know, the girls before he died when I was 15, he was 18 and I still was like unable to talk about it. And that was a really long time ago. I'm 43. I can't even do the math. Um, but I think it just shifts and, and, you know, you can still get through your days. Like, I think we always think that we're not going to be able to stand after someone dies. And there's always that period, yes, where you might be in the fetal position, but you're going to be able to get up and life is going to go on. And, you know, sometimes I think you hate the outside world for continuing on while you're in such, you know, devastation, but that's also what helps us shift forward too. Absolutely. You know, John Edward has a great quote and he talks about how, you know, in the first year of grief, people are calling you on the birthdays, the anniversaries, the holidays, they're checking in with you, you know, because they know that you've gone through this loss. And so they want to be there in those kind of that first annual, those moments. Um, And then after that, you know, the second year comes and people don't call on Christmas or they're not checking in on the anniversary as much. And so the second year can often be more lonely than the first in our grief process, which I think speaks to the importance of having a support system, having community. Um, You know, when people are grieving, I always say the first thing you should do if you're going through grief that you can't deal with is not to go see a medium. It's to go see a grief counselor, go find support, go find other people who are grieving where you can share those feelings because grief really is an isolative emotion. It makes us want to curl up in the fetal position and not leave our house. And so I think when you see that there are resources out there, it can be very helpful in at least just getting us to a place of being able to deal and being able to wake up and be productive and go about our day. And then when we're at a good place in our grief, then I think it's a good time to maybe see a medium if Mm -hmm. if that's right for you. But there's a lot of other resources that I think are essential. Yeah. There was a report I saw recently about um, some neurologists that were studying uh, the brain of someone who was passing. They didn't know he was going to pass, I guess, but did you see this? You did. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I thought it was fascinating. What I remember is they said that it's proof that life, your whole life flashes before your eyes as you're transitioning. So that's a huge thing. And, you know, for ethical reasons, obviously, they were never able to hook somebody up and monitor their brain, you know, to watch them pass. But this just happened incidentally. I believe the man had epilepsy or seizures. He was elderly. And then he passed away as this was being monitored. And they found that his brainwaves very clearly indicated that he was going through very vivid memories, having very vivid experiences internally as he was transitioning. And in readings, you know, I very often talk about this process that I believe souls go through when they die. And that process is called a life review. And Mm -hmm. I believe that that life review is essential to allowing people to process how they lived and how they died and come to some place of acceptance. And it's my belief that very often that life review process happens before even someone takes their last breath. And I think you see examples of it often when people are terminally ill or when they're kind of getting towards the end of their life. People often report wanting to kind of wrap things up, you know, provide some kind of um, type of loose ends. You know, people will reach out to family members that they never talk to. They'll mm-hmm. kind of uh, figure out the finances and the logistics of things. People do certain things to kind of often before they pass to kind of set the stage for that passing to happen. And I think it's the life review kind of happening even while we're still here on some level. Yeah. Wayne Dyer's daughters were on the show recently for their book, and they said that Wayne was doing all that stuff leading up to his death. Mm-hmm. So whether he knew it consciously or not, he was doing it. Exactly. <laughs> and I remember with my mom, before we flew her back to Connecticut to be with family, people were visiting her in her room. And she said, oh, you know, whatever, so-and-so was at the end of my bed today. And I go, really? And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh shit, she's going to go. And I would like panic. And it took another six months. 
And so she was getting visits and I, there were times where when we were in Connecticut, I'm like, okay, was this a good visit or a bad visit? <laughs> like, was this a good thing, mom? And she was like, yeah, it was good. I'm like, okay. Cause I'm like, if you're a bad person, get out of here. I'm like, get, get out. out. <laughs> I was like, any bad spirits go away. We only want the good here. But, um, but I believe that. And I think one of the things that people get so, um, tied up in is, and it's hard. Like my mom was not afraid at all. And that made it so much easier for me. I feel so badly for people who are in that kind of caretaking position or a loved one around someone who is scared. Do you have any advice Mm. for that? And then also what has their transition generally been like? Like if, have you ever read someone who was scared to die and then had this different kind of experience in the actual transition? Well, I would say on some level, fear is natural. I think it's an instinctual response that sustains life, right? When you cross the street, you look both ways in fire out of fear. You don't want to get hit by a car. And so I think that those natural instincts do sometimes kick in as people are headed towards the end of their life. Even if you do have some sense of spirituality, I think there's a natural aspect of the unknown. And like a birth, you know, there's an aspect of a big hoopla around it. It's a, it's a kind of a nerve wracking experience to go through. I find that when people come through, they seem to acknowledge that there was some degree of immediate peace leading up to their transition. And if you need a testament of this, I think that you can look at research done in the near-death experience realm, um, because that really conveys some interesting research. Uh, Dr. Raymond Moody uh, coined the phrase near-death experience, and he researched thousands of cases of near-death experiences where people in moments, whether it was a surgery that went wrong or the very end of their life that ended up you know, being extended, they reported a feeling of a presence of going home. Mm. And I, I love that idea that passing away is, is a sense of kind of continuing into this next place that isn't unfamiliar, but if anything is more familiar to us than anything we could possibly imagine. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really helpful <clears throat> to have that kind of peace. And we know it from different people like Anita Morjani, who we've also had on the show, um, who has crossed over. And then been able to come back. And she said, you know, the past and the future were all happening at the same time. And she was able to see this massive tapestry of her life, um, which I thought was really beautiful. Um, How do you know when you're doing a reading, how do you know what to say and maybe what not to say? Sure. Well, I I liken my job to that of a mailman, okay? So I don't really feel like I write the letters as much as I just kind of deliver the message. Um, But with that said, you know, my job is a big responsibility. I have to be conscientious of the feelings of the people I'm reading. I have to be considerate, especially when I would read celebrities on Hollywood medium uh, about maybe (laughs) what's what someone might maybe wants out there and maybe what they don't want out there. So that was a logistical challenge that was really a a big thing for me, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in the earlier seasons. But I learned very quickly that sometimes you have to talk about the heavy stuff to give the most levity, to to be able to provide the most to a person. And sometimes you have to talk about those heavy things like cycles of behavior or maybe some trauma that somebody went through as a way of letting them kind of focus on that and then let it go in maybe a way that they wouldn't have been able to before. Um, I don't necessarily think readings, like I said, are a cure for anything, but to be able to focus on something and have it get brought up from an objective source who doesn't know anything about you, it allows a person to kind of process maybe what they went through in a different way, mm-hmm. look at it with new eyes, and then be able to move forward knowing that there was a reason that thing got brought up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of my reading with Alan Thick as a really big testament to that. You know, I talked to him about a heart problem that this loved one of his who had had and felt like he also had a susceptibility to, and then, you know, tragically he passed away a few months later. Mm-hmm. So there are definitely times where I have to bring up things I, that aren't easy to discuss, but yeah. necessary. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. So when you did that reading with him, did you know he was going to pass, but you couldn't tell him? I felt at the time that this message that was coming through from this loved one was just insistent about getting his heart checked. And I felt that because that same loved one had died of the same issue he would later go on to pass of, that there was an urgency behind it. Um, I repeated myself so much in that reading, just around the heart thing to the point where he kind of laughed at me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I'd rather that and, and say it, you know, yeah. that, let me just say it than me not say it out of fear of being wow. laughed at. <laughs> so, yeah. Is there yeah. a rule that you're not supposed to tell someone that their death is imminent? You know, I don't know if anybody has a full certainty of anybody's death. I think life is kind of a series of trajectories that we're on. It's my personal belief that the future is not set in stone. And if anything, we're kind of uh, headed down certain paths that are subject to change. But very often when you get something like that, like a big medical thing, if anything, for me, it's preventative. So um, if I do feel something serious with someone, I just stress the urgency of it. And all you can do is encourage people to listen and follow up with a medical professional. Mm -hmm. Are there times when, so I guess before I get to that question, how do you see things? Because I feel like everyone has a different um, way. I know you have to hold something usually. um, Typically. So psychometry is the process of holding onto an object. And that just helps me kind of center my focus on a particular thing. And that might be, you know, your grandma's watch or, uh, you know, a lock of hair. I've held onto a lot of strange objects. But for me, I think if anything, it just helps remind the client of who they're hoping to hear from, because reading can be very overwhelming and make us a little scatterbrained. So um, there's that aspect. And then I scribble, which kind of allows me to turn on and turn off. Um, And that's just a repetitive movement that allows me to kind of get into an all state of consciousness. And then as I go through that process, yeah, it's, it's very multifaceted. So I always say my sixth sense uses my other five senses to communicate. So in a reading, I might get a physical sensation that corresponds with how somebody died. Sometimes it'll feel like having a song stuck in my head, except it's like a memory that isn't mine, but it feels like mine. Um, so all of these faculties are kind of free game for subtle information to kind of come through. Wow. And we're like, at this point, you've done so much. I mean, I could literally read my notes from you and be like, yep, he said this was going to happen. He said that was going to happen. I mean, there's so much uh, validation I could give you just from our reading. But um, do you still like the validation of of like, oh, OK, I, 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 I knew that was coming? You know, I think it substantiates the reading. You know, anybody can tell you they love that your loved one loves you or they're proud of you or whatever. But I think it's the facts and the details and the specifics that are only known between you and the person that passed or those details that do come to pass that 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 end up happening that really validate the connection. And it's those things that to me are really the meat and potatoes of the reading, Um, not the platitudes, not things that are generic, not things that could be Googled. Um, It's really those kind of unknowable details that I have to get, whether I'm reading a celebrity or, you know, a a Mm non-celebrity. You said that um, celebrities, what was the line? I wrote it down that working with celebrities gave you insight into the ego in the book. And I marked that page because I was like, Ooh, (laughs) let's talk about that. Sure, sure, sure. (laughs) So, so what insights into the ego did you get? 
Sure. You know, we have to define the ego, right? And for me, my definition of that is really just the beliefs we accept about ourselves, Mm. the beliefs we accept about ourselves. And boy, do you see that demonstrated when (laughs) you're reading a celebrity who (laughs) has no idea what you're going to say and their publicist wants to strangle you. Um, I think in in a big way, I've learned, you know, there's aspects of vulnerability with what I do. I have to be vulnerable in a reading because I'm risking every time that I might be wrong or I might look foolish or silly. And then there's some element of vulnerability with the client because they have to be open and honest and receptive about what I'm saying and if it makes sense or if it doesn't. So there's a kind of a mutual vulnerability that has to happen for there to be a good reading. And that was always kind of the challenge was I was willing to be vulnerable, but sometimes maybe people were uh, only wanting to talk about the book that they were here to promote, or, you know, maybe took on a, a little bit of a different. Or just tell me all the good stuff that's happening and how I'm going right. to wildly succeed. But mm. like, even when you tell me, you're like, what, I'm like, okay, Tyler, what do you see career wise? And you're like, radio, 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 radio. And I'm like, ew, radio. <laughs> and I'm like, what? You're and like, then check again. <laughs> what happened? I transitioned into digital and, and audio and podcasting. So Exactly. Which ended up being amazing for me. But um, but at the time I was like, uh, no, TV, Tyler. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> TV. <laughs> I, I really do believe often to hear what they need to hear, maybe over what they want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think to me that lends credence to it. You know, I could sit there and tell people what they want to hear all day, but it wouldn't get me anywhere. It wouldn't be accurate. So I try my best. But, you know, in, in many ways, I do feel like I'm still kind of a baby medium. I feel like I've had to kind of learn uh, through trial and error kind of in the public eye. And that's a challenge. I think that's a challenge. You know, John Edward didn't have, Trish Caputo didn't have. I feel very much uh, like I've kind of grown up uh, in some ways, getting a TV show at 19, very much in kind of a public way. So I'm still learning how to refine my ability. (laughs) Yeah. Well, is it your ability or because you have the skill, does your skill get stronger as you get older? Like, is it like any other skill where it does get more refined and you get stronger in your... um, in kind of believing what you're seeing and delivering, you know, cause there is an interpretation level to it. I think the more readings you do, the more context gets provided. I think every reading teaches me something. Every reading gives me a point of reference to refer back to in future readings. So a lot of my readings are done based off of kind of intuitive impressions of like, Oh, okay. I'm reading this person. And they remind me of this woman I read three years ago, whose dad died. And that's how I know the person in front of me is dad died. So oh. I, the more readings I do, it almost helps kind of create this in symbolic word bank mm. that I can go to for every reading I do. So it does get stronger within reason. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things that is, is partially an ability and partially reliant on my guides, which are these kind of uh, entities, intelligences, whatever you like to call them, that help me do readings and facilitate that. So without them, I, I really am nothing. <laughs> Tyler, are you ever at like Dunkin' Donuts and you see someone and you're like, oh, something bad's going to happen to them. And then you don't know what to do. Like, do I go pull them aside and tell them and they're going to think I'm crazy or like, do you have those moments? Totally. And, you know, I think there's a time and a place to receive a reading and I don't take it upon myself to just walk up to you and share with them feelings just because you never know what headspace someone is in. You never want to cause, uh, you know, harm when you're trying to do good. So I I try to have people just kind of come to me, but I definitely get impressions. There's been times when I've been driving down the the road or in the car with my my partner and I'll say, oh, that person, I feel like there's a heart attack there or a medical problem. And then, you know, you got to just kind of keep driving. You can't stop the person, but uh, it definitely provides a lot of really strange positions where I have to choose whether to share it or not. And if it's somebody I'm comfortable with, then I I often do. Yeah. Wow. Um, Queen, I know you have questions. I'm going to let you jump in if you want to. Tyler, I would love to know how you like through all this, I mean, growing up basically on TV, how have you protected yourself and your mental health? Sure. Well, you know, I think uh, not taking things personally has been a big lesson. You know, I I, I go to the saying of you, you can be the biggest, fattest, juiciest peach. And there's still going to be people out there who do not like peaches. And so I, I love that. Understanding that if you can feel that sentiment in your bones, though, it's life changing. It, wow. It'll it's so important to remember that. I think whether you're in the public eye or not, that, you know, we are who we are. And I think anything worth doing is going to have people, you know, maybe talk about it. And if you stand for something, people might not be supportive of that always. But uh, for me, I think it's a reminder of just focusing on the good that can be done. I think we all have a platform on a small scale or on a large scale. Mm. And I think using it for good is essential. And for me, that's kind of kept me in check 
um, and, and not wasting time on like negativity and, and I think um, the court of public opinion, because as we know, you know, it's just kind of the nature of the internet. And, yeah. And so um, I also think having good support system, I mean, I'm sure Maria, you can relate to this, you know, being able to have a people to go to when you're done, when you're off work that are going to view you as Maria, the human being and not Maria, the television personality. Yeah. You know, or- as a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Radio personality. We all all always. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it's it's definitely an adjustment. Yeah. It's, it's, um, It's such a great way to think about it. You could be the biggest, juiciest, most delicious peach. Some people aren't going to like peaches. I love that. That is like game changing for me. Mm -hmm. I really, really love that because it is hard. I mean, I've been doing this for such a long time and it's still so paralyzing to think that there's this one person on Instagram that thinks you're like the devil or something. And you're like, oh my God, no. (laughs) And so often, you know, there'll be 99 positive comments. And I think people's inclination is to focus on the one that they don't like, but I think it's human nature Mm -hmm. and, you know, self-acceptance is where that shines. I was going to say, Tyler, do you feel your success or was there someone or like someone you read that you were like, dang, I've made it. Oh, that's very sweet of you. You know, I think success is ever, ever, uh, always a work in progress for me. So I I feel like for me, um, you know, I remember season one when I got the show, I didn't know what to expect. I was filming it. Nobody knew who I was. And then it came out and then I would go to the grocery store and people would stop me and start crying and, you know, sharing with me their losses and how the show helped them. And I think that was definitely a game changing moment. I was only 20 years old. I was uh, you know, kind of going from this little kid from a small town into a really a, a very different position and dealing with an intensity of emotion because of what I do and what it represents that I think I very had very quickly had to kind of adjust. Uh, but it's always been with gratitude and it's always been humbling. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of on that pursuit of success as it is defined by trying to help people mm-hmm. as much as I can. Do you like reading celebrities still? I do. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It's, it can be a novelty if, you know, especially if it's somebody I recognize. Um, but you know, for me, everybody can use help some more than others and celebrities were a good example of that. There were some that genuinely needed it, but at the very least, I think Hollywood medium was just an interesting insight into these people's personal lives and their demographics. You know, I mean, after I read little Kim, I had a lot of her followers following me and, hmm. and they had never heard of what a medium was before and they wanted to check it out. So I am thankful that the show created a conversation. Yeah. Well, you have another one now, congratulations on the Netflix series. So how is this going to be different than that show on E? Yes. So this Netflix series, uh, Life After Death, is basically covering a lot more of my personal life, as well as uh, going down the list of over 300,000 requests for private one-on-one readings. So in the initial show I did, I had a lot of people write in and uh, this show kind of met that demand. And I got to travel the country and surprise people with readings who really needed them. Um, For me, the show is extremely compelling, not only from the validation perspective, but from just the testimonials of grief that people have gone through. We had people on the show who experienced the loss of loved ones in freak accidents. Um, I read a woman whose child was literally torn from her arms in a mudslide. And she had broke almost every bone in her body in addition to dealing with the death of her daughter. So these are stories that need to be told. They're important. They resonate. And I think even more than the medium thing, there's aspects of it that are just poignant and profound and will make you more thankful for your life and for the people in it. Wow. I mean, do you ever cry in the readings? You know, I think it's important to maintain some degree of emotional detachment as I'm interpreting, kind of like if you were doing sign language interpretation, you probably wouldn't 
you like want to burst it out crying. Um, but when I watch readings back, I cry. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Do you watch yeah. them all back? I do. I do. And I get very emotional and it's very like weird and cathartic and strange. Like I'm a sniffly mess when I watch them back. Mm, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I could see where you'd have to detach to be able to get the message out and, and stay neutral, but then fall apart later. Like that reminds me when I used to do my events at the children's hospital, I started these day of beauty events where I would bring in like all the Hollywood glam people and I'd bring in tons of gifts and, um, to the terminally ill ward for kids at children's. And I'd be like smiling and happy and doing the whole thing. And then, you know, I'd go home and I would guttural cry for days. Like it was just brutal. Um, so I, I understand you have to, you have to do that. You also go on a personal journey with your family and where your mom came from on this show, right? That's right. So a couple of years ago, we discovered that my mother actually was taken as a baby and the people that I thought were my grandparents were not. And uh, basically the woman that had taken my mom when she was young uh, went on to murder a number of people and spent over 30 years in prison for a double homicide that she committed. And uh, the show basically covers my journey of figuring out who my real family was the fact that my mom's real family spent their whole life like looking for her and my mom's biological mother died before she ever got to see her daughter. So it, it was really um, very tragic to, you know, to go through that personal journey. When I started the show, I didn't think it was going to go that route and get that intense and that personal, but it really is a crazy story. Wait, so it all came to life in real time during the show? Yes. So as we were filming, we were actually discovering like how this woman stole my mother as a baby, wow. and then went on to kill people and steal from people and do all these horrible things. And meanwhile, my mom had a whole family that was looking for her. And I got to actually go back to my mom's where she was born and meet my biological family for the first time. And my mom had a sister she didn't know she had that looks identical to her. Oh my and it was just crazy, crazy town. So wow. it was really like heartfelt. <laughs> Wait, so wasn't the pivotal death in your life your grandmother? My dad's mom. Oh. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, you didn't know that she was the bad one all along. No, no, different oh. grandmother, but boy, do I have some grandmother stories, let me tell you. <laughs> wow. Okay, so your grandmother on your other side, you knew her, but you didn't know she had, you and your mom, nobody knew that this was a bad grandma. We knew that she had killed people, but we didn't know that she had lied about being related to us. <gasps> so she had always said that, you know, oh, Teresa is my, my, my mom is, you know, her, uh, her daughter. And I had always suspected as a child, you know, maybe not. Are you sure, mom? You know, this is really my grandma. Are you Ooh. sure? Are you sure? And my mom would always say, oh, no, well, we look too much alike for it to not be like genetic and ends up they were not indeed related and this woman would, would uh, basically scam people by stuffing uh, pillows underneath her clothing and fake pregnancies in the 60s and so uh, yeah it was quite a story <laughs> whoa isn't it so funny you set out to do something and then something completely different yeah. happens it's crazy that's how life goes right i think it's synchronistic though you mm -hmm. know yeah so what what changed for you after that well, I got to meet my biological family. I went from thinking that I was Native American and French on that side of family to realizing I was Italian and Greek. So, hey, Tyler, we're even more connected. Bolognese. I was so shocked, you know, to make that discovery and then to find, you know, a whole family, a loving family that I had always wanted that was there waiting for me. And they had been looking for us, you know, their, their whole lives. Oh my so God. That, so where do they crazy. live? What, what? New Orleans, Louisiana. Wow. Oh my God. What a story. Tyler, was yeah. there, was there anyone in that family who you found out like had gifts similar to yours? So my aunt said that my biological grandmother did have moments of kind of psychic abilities, but uh, they're very Catholic, very religious. And my grandmother passed away in 2001 before I was ever able to. Uh, meet her obviously but she had Alzheimer's really badly and the one thing she could remember was my mom and she wanted to know where my mom was and oh my gosh. she died before they got to ever meet so guys that's heartbreaking yeah. but it has a happy ending so I encourage people to okay <laughs> <laughs> um so Tyler you have this book coming out you have this Netflix series coming out what where do you want to take all of this is it 
is it continuing to do this work? And, and like, is there some ultimate goal that you have in mind? You know, I just try to take it day by day and to step up to the opportunities that are kind of put in my path for me. I have a live tour across the country where I go to different cities and I do readings in a group setting. And that for me is so meaningful. And I love to get to travel and come to places where people might not be able to ever come to L.A. So that for me is really uh, where I get the most out of my work. But I hope to continue. You know, Maybe we'll do a season two and hopefully more books and just wherever I feel kind of guided. I always just want to keep things positive and, you know, that's, that's important for me. I like that. That's how I kind of live my life. I'm like, take yeah. me where I'm supposed to go. Mm-hmm. I don't have some master plan. I just do what I'm kind of told to do. Guided. Yeah. Yeah. Do the good in front of us. Right. That's all we can do. Yeah. Um, what do you like to do for fun? Uh, you know, I like to paint. I, I, I don't get a lot of physical exercise, which might surprise you for these <laughs> busting biceps I have. But, uh, you know, I am getting a little bit more into walking. So I'm hiking, do a little bit of hiking. I'm up by Runyon. So I, you know, okay. my, my little, little outfit. Uh, <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> no, it's so bad. It's so bad. I'm, I'm so weak. But uh, I, I like <laughs> you're just... like Pooja. Pooja doesn't like doing anything either. Uh, yeah. There you go. Pooja's there like, you... no, I don't. Guys, <laughs> a nice hike, a nice walk. That's my favorite thing to do for wow. a workout. A nice walk to the fridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel that. So, they're bad, but not just things that kind of take you into the creative space. I think creativity is an application of intuition, even with like painting and whatnot. You have to know when to start, when to stop. So there's an intuitive process to creativity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and family plans, like life plans outside of like work. You know, I've been in a relationship for five years now and I'm aiming for another five and then hopefully (laughs) another five after that and hopefully for as long as I can. So, um, no, I I definitely don't have plans for kids in the long run. I think I just travel so much that it probably wouldn't be too realistic. Um, and I like to be babied. So at this point, (laughs) that's what my husband says. He goes, if we have a baby, you won't be the baby. Trust me, we have kids. I'm going to be in his lap right along with them. Like, I need to be loved too. What about me? But it is true. It's like, you won't be the baby anymore. That's right. So cute. Um, well, I, I, I'm so excited that we got to reconnect. Um, oh, you know, there was one last thing I wanted to ask you about, because you talk about this in the book a lot, is mysticism. Yes. Can you explain that for everybody and and what role that it has in in our lives? Sure. Well, I think of mysticism as being akin to spirituality. And I think of spirituality and religion as being a little different. And I'll tell you why. Mm. I think of religion as being almost like a cultural language that we have uh, with a higher power. And depending on where we're born and the beliefs of our parents, that's often going to inform what our religious beliefs are. It's often geographic, right? Uh, but spirituality on some level to me is more of an internal process. It's something that revolves around mysticism where it's that one-on-one connection that we have personally to a higher power. Whereas religion, we might look externally for a doctrine, a terms and conditions telling us what to do or to believe, which can be fine and great. Um, spirituality is more the inversion of that. I believe it's kind of the direct relationship we have to ourselves, to God, um, and that's a very personal process. And so I believe that's where mysticism kind of comes in. Mm. And I encourage people to embrace that in whatever way that looks for them. Mm. Very cool. Can I ask him one more question? Yeah. Tyler, cool. for people who want to get a reading, but don't know oh, where to go. I'm so glad you said this because obviously he has 300,000 people right. on his list. I'm no like, one's ever going to get to you before you're exactly. past in this another life. I'm like, I want to go to Tyler, but that's not real. You know, so people like that, like, what do you, how do we look for the right people? I don't want to be like scammed. You know what I mean? Sure. I think going through word of mouth is really important. Mm. Go through a recommendation. If you have any friends who've seen mediums, hit them up and ask, hey, have you gone to a good one? Can you give me their number? I think it's very important to not just walk into the first you know, neon sign that you see. Um, <laughs> recommendation is very important. And then also ensuring that when it comes to payment, um, make sure that you're seeing somebody that is taking your money after the reading, not before. And I can't stress that enough. Wow. That's a big red flag is, mm. is if somebody's wanting your money right up front. Look, it is a service. It's a spiritual service. It is worth something. But that should all be done after the reading, after you can gauge the accuracy and the legitimacy of your experience and not before. So that's that's good to keep in mind. That's a great tip. I feel like, Tyler, like maybe you do like a like a is it like a raffle? Oh, like yeah. you put all 300,000 names in there. 
Yes, I do giveaways on my social media. So if you follow me on Instagram, Tyler Henry Medium, uh, I do them pretty regularly and I try to give away as many as I can. And just last thing on that, you know, live shows are a great way to see readings unedited in person and the whole audience goes on that journey together. So, so it's, cool. it's very emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it's so cool. You have such a great gift and you're just so sweet. And I'll tell you, John Edward, who's a good friend of mine, the like he loves you. He's oh, like, he great. is the real deal. And he can't endorse you enough, which is like so cool. That's so meaningful. I love John and, and I love you. And I'm so glad we got to connect. And my heart's with you, with your mom. And I hope that you say hello to Kevin for me. <laughs> Thank you. I will. I will. He's uh, he's recovering from a root canal right now. <laughs> yeah. Or else he would have been no. down here to say hi. <laughs> oh boy, I'm sore for him. <laughs> <laughs> um, everybody, the book is called Here and Hereafter. Um, definitely grab a copy of this. You can probably pre-order it right now, right? Yep. March 25th, it comes out. So it'll be out by the time this is out probably. Okay, cool. Um, and also the Netflix series comes out March 11th and you can check that out as well. Thank you so much, Tyler. Thank you, Marie. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. I hope to talk again. He's the sweetest thing ever. I know. Even the mental health question, I'm like... You're you're killing yeah. it. You were just like such a such a light. He's a gentle, mm-hmm. like I said, he's a gentle soul. Yep. Um, but how crazy is his family story? Um, how crazy that I remember actually I think it had come out about Alan Thick that mm-hmm. he had told him. Um and then uh the other thing that kind of blew my mind was um about his friend too. I know. And I think a lot of people do that. I mean, like I said, mine was a very different thing. I distanced myself from my baby, my poodle. But I think a lot of people don't know how to handle grief. And when they see it coming, they run for the hills. And I think getting to see my mom's experience as she was dying, I was very taken aback by people's responses. And a lot of people didn't want to be around it, didn't want to see it, didn't want to face it, maybe because... You face your own mortality when you're the same age and you're mm. seeing somebody your yeah. age passing. Yeah. Um, or you just don't want to feel those feelings. Um, there's just so much. But uh, as my mom, you know, it's been May. Let's see. It'll be a year in May. How about we don't have to do the math? Um, can you guys just, tell math was not my favorite so- subject? <laughs> um, which is wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy for me to think, but I'm, I'm learning so much as I go through. So when you're, when you're in it and you're shocked and you're upset at people or whatever, just know like you're going to start to understand a little bit more and a little bit more as the days go on, why people acted like this, why they reacted like that. Um, doesn't help you in the moment. That's (laughs) for sure. But, um, but you're always growing. You know what else I liked too when he talked about closure? Cause I do agree. I think that he even said, he's like, it's a word people throw around a lot. And I know with the people I've lost, I, like I've never felt closure and I don't think I ever will. It's like, it's different now than it was three years ago, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, it's a constant evolution of how you feel and how you grow through grief. And I think that that's a really interesting like topic of conversation. And I like yeah. that he said that. Yeah. And it doesn't go away. No. You just learn to live with it in in different ways. Like I said, and trying adapt. to talk about my cousin, I'm like... A wreck. Mm-hmm. I've I've been really good about talking about my cousin because once my mom happened, like now I had this like fresher wound. Mm-hmm. Um and it's been so long, but you know, it's just it's wild. Like I just out of nowhere, where were we the other day? Out of nowhere, just started guttural crying mm-hmm. about my mom. And Kevin's like, wait, what's wrong? And I'm like, Oh, we were watching something. And I just started losing it. And Kevin looks at me. He's like, wait, we're watching a okay? funny show. Like, what happened? Oh. I'm like, I don't know. I just thought about her and I can't. Mm. So um, I understand that it's a process and it's going to just happen. You know, that Mack truck is just going to roll right over your heart, put it in reverse and re-roll back <laughs> over your heart again. Yeah. Um, but that just means, as we say, that you loved hard mm-hmm. and that you had something special and we should be grateful that we had it. Yeah. Um, and form a new relationship. And I just love that we're having conversations about it because I don't think it gets talked about enough, mm-hmm. you know, and we've had it so much, so grateful for you for being open and vulnerable about it. But I just think that it really is, it is so, so important because mm-hmm. no one knows really how to handle it and there's no right way. Yeah. 
Yeah. I also think for any of you who are watching or listening and are dealing with grief or um, or someone in your life is sick and, and maybe dying, the episodes I mentioned, the Wayne Dyer mm-hmm. sisters, um, the Wayne Dyer daughters, um, Sage and Serena Dyer's uh, episode was really, really amazing. And then also... Uh, the Anita Morjani episode. So there were two interviews with Anita that we did, and there was that one. So we'll grab those. Um, Shout out to our intern, Lauren, who is in the (laughs) engineer booth today. Maybe Lauren can find those three episodes so that we can put them in the summary of this episode for you to listen to. How about that? How about that? She's saying hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyhow, uh, I hope that was... uh, That was fun for you all. And, um, oh, actually, before I forget, um, Patreon. We had an episode in our Patreon recently that uh, got a lot of love, and it was our boundaries episode, Mm -hmm. talking about how in therapy I'm learning about boundaries and how to set them and protect them. And I'm learning through Maria, learning through therapy. Yeah, so my... (laughs) Crazy expensive sessions are now getting passed on to all of you. Hell yeah. Um, And so I wanted to mention it because if you haven't signed up for Patreon, um, it is a deeper experience. You do get ad-free shows. You also get an extra show and the monthly heal events. So we're doing one um, for the month of March with... March? I'm not sure yet. We don't know yet. February, uh, Dr. Laura Berman. We did it last week. And it's still, if you guys missed the live event, you get... Oh, the gosh. whole archive, the you whole get library. Her and all the previous. So yeah. yeah. I want to do one maybe in March for um women's history. We do it with Priscilla and the Ford female girls. Oh yeah. Um just a thought. But that's the cool thing about the events is you literally you get all of them. And we've had so many amazing, amazing events. Yeah. So um if you don't know about our heel events, we bring in the amazing experts, healers, gurus, whoever we have on the show that you don't normally have access to outside of here. And you get a more one-on-one experience with them through this um, small little posse that Mm -hmm. we have, our little heel squad. So you can join the Patreon by clicking the link um, on our Instagram account, either mine or... Is it on mine? Molly no, Tree? but on yours, they can go to your website and you can join through Maria's website or at Better Together's Instagram. We have it in our little like link in our bio. So at Better Together with Maria, click the link or go to mariamenunos.com, which by the way, our website is up, our new website, and we have new improvements coming and coming and coming. Mm. So every day we're updating it. It's not the same old, same old. Every day there's new content on there that help you transform your life and also make it fun too because i'm sharing all of my lifestyle recommendations um so check us out there and in the meantime be nice people make good choices and be present hey hill squad we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better and it makes us feel so good we love 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 it and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.